Welcome to SCD Church's podcast. You can always join us for our live services Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings out in our West Auditorium. You can also tune into our services live online at seacoastgrace.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages. Thanks so much for listening. So this series about Send It, you got to live your life moving forward. You can't stand still because uh, to stand still is to move backwards. And uh, going back doesn't get you anywhere. You got to move forward. You got to become more like Jesus if you're a Christian. And we're trying to give you some of the ingredients for sending it, for moving forward, becoming who God wants you to be. Uh, I watch crazy things on the internet sometimes. Like I found myself this week watching an interview with a record producer from back in the 80s produced some stuff, uh, uh, Steely Dan and a few others, and, and, and he was talking about um, uh, how you build a, a song, an album or a song. And I found it really interesting because you're talking about how you layer in um, you, you, the vocals, the, the keys, the, uh, the drums, and how you kind of build that thing. What the ingredients for a song, it's very complex. Um, and it, you're talking about one song by Christopher Cross that, um, and some of you don't know who any of these people are, look them up. They were really good. It's back when they did live music without auto-tune. But anyway... I can't get a rise out of anybody? What? Anyway, all right. So um, anyway, so he talked about the, uh, this one song. That it was, they knew it was a great song. They knew it was a really good song, but they just, something was missing. Something went right. And they decided it was the drums. The drums, they weren't hitting the right beat. It wasn't the drummer. He was playing what they told him to. And the producer's talking about, we got to, and then suddenly they tried this other beat and it just hit. After three days of working on just the drum beat, it hit, became a number one song, et cetera, et cetera. It's about the right ingredients to make the right song. I want to suggest to you that serving, what we're talking about today, serving, isn't just an option. So many of us think it's optional. It'd be a nice thing to do if we have time. It's a good thing for people to do. It's nice. But I'm going to tell you, it's not an option. It's an ingredient in a great life. It is an absolute necessity in a great life. It's not the kind of thing you do if you have time left over, if they really are in trouble and need your help. It's the kind of thing you write in, just like you write in, I'm going to spend time with God in prayer. I'm going to read his word. I'm going to serve. It's an absolute um, spiritual discipline that you need, absolutely need it. And so I want to kind of encourage you to do that because we all have to be reminded because frankly, it doesn't come automatically to us. It is counterintuitive. Giving our time away just seems weird. We've been inculcated our whole lives to get on the job and get the thing done. And if you're not doing the thing, then at least have some fun. And this isn't either of those, although it can be really fun. We'll talk about that. So Jesus is trying to teach his disciples to think differently. He comes toward the end of his ministry, and he's been telling them all along that the kingdom of God is upside down, the first should be last, um, and, and those who want to be ruler have to be servant of all. And he's telling them all these things. They're not getting it because every time you turn around, the disciples are fighting about what? Who's the greatest in the kingdom? Who's going to sit where at the cabinet meetings? That's what the whole, that's what the whole thing is about. I always say, well, no, no, I'm going to, no, even their mom got involved. One of them, so... Jesus goes, okay, you're not getting it. And so we come down to the end of his journey and he decides that he will show them, give them a mental picture to go along with the teaching that after he is gone, when he goes to the cross as a servant so that we can be forgiven, they will at least understand what happened. So here's what happens in John 13. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the father. Having loved his own who were in this, in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. 
After that, he poured water in, into a basin, began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And the original language is much more emphatic. It's no, definitely not. You are not washing my feet. And Jesus came back just as strong and said, unless I wash it, you have no part in me. And so then Peter said, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. In this, in this passage, Jesus paints a picture for the disciples who were thick, just hard-headed, not getting it. And for us who were also thick and hard-headed and not getting it. Um, and, and if you doubt that, I could ask you to stand and tell me all the places that you serve voluntarily and willingly. And for many of us, that would be a little like, oh, I don't want to do that because we don't understand. And, and I struggle with this as well. We don't understand the importance that it is not optional. It is important for us. It is important for those around us. It is important to our, our growth. Um, I remember one time I was, uh, I was in a, a graduate uh, seminary. And the, um, at the end of the, the session, the professor decided to have uh, a foot washing ceremony. Anybody ever been in a foot washing ceremony? There are some traditions to, today that still do this, just as a reminder of the, the humility it takes to do foot washing. And I remember he was going to come and I was going to wash feet. And it was kind of, it was okay, whatever, I don't know. And, and, uh, and I, but I looked down, I, t I took my socks off. And at that moment, I realized I'd just come back from Hawaii and I had been badly sunburned. And it was now um, separating itself from the regular part of my body. I had skin coming off everywhere. And as I took my, and if I wasn't uncomfortable enough with foot washing, the woman next to me looked over and went, as I take my sock off and the skin is, she goes, oh, gross. <laughs> kind of ruined the solemnity of the moment for me. And, uh, but at least she was ahead of me and not behind me in the washing because that guy, you know. Anyway, what a weird thing to wash feet. And yet, if you were to compare the idea of serving others, it's a pretty weird thing too. In a world where we're told to get ahead, to get mine, to do what feels good, to serve others, to benefit others at my own expense, receiving nothing in return doesn't make a lot of sense. It's kind of a weird thing. And so there's all kinds of religious things that go with this. But the reality is we're to remember that Christ served us and that if we're going to be like Jesus, we've got to serve. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about we, as, as a, what's the symbol people wear of Christianity? The cross, right? The cross. And, and that's a great symbol because it's, it, remembers, it reminds us of what Christ did for us. But, you know, maybe a more, more helpful thing to, to wear would be a towel. Because a cross, it's not really attainable. Most of us aren't going to be asked to go to a cross for our faith. But we are asked to serve. We are asked to serve every day, everywhere we go. It's not, it's not like you might someday have to serve. No, no, it's you will have to serve today. If you're going to be like Jesus, you got to serve. That's just the bottom line. And, and so it, it's almost like we're to be this secret society of towel-carrying uh, kind of people, you know? This secret society who walks around looking for opportunities to roll up their sleeves and to benefit others, to add value to others' lives and not expect any credit or any recognition at all. That's what Christians are supposed to be. Now, if you were to ask the average person on the street what a Christian is, I doubt you'd get that answer. But if you look at history, you'll find that much of what grew Christianity 
globally was that when everybody else was running out, plagues, whatever it might be, the Christians were running in to care for people at their, at their own risk. They were running in because they knew to be like, Jesus, you need to be a servant. And so today I want to remind us that we too need to be a servant. And it's not just a, it's not just a kind of optional thing. It is absolutely critical. Um, so let me just give you some thoughts. First one, we are blessed when we serve. Let me read the rest of that passage in John 13. I just read for you a moment. It goes on because Jesus explains what happened. When he had finished washing their feet, put on his clothes, returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. As I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You will be blessed. Here's an interesting thing about serving. We are never blessed by God and expected to not share it. In other words, we were always blessed to be a blessing. We were blessed in order to bless. When you say, well, this word bless, I don't know what it means. You are breathing today. That's a blessing. I, I, can, I can enumerate for you so many ways that God has blessed me. And so can you, if you'll just stop for a moment, do a little gratitude list and realize that God has blessed you. Just life itself isn't something you can self-generate or that you deserve. You are blessed. But here's the problem. Because we are consumers, we consume God's blessing, but we're not intended to consume God's blessing. We're to experience God's blessing and to then bless others. And here's what's the amazing thing about it. This passage says, you are blessed to bless and you'll be blessed for blessing. Say it again. You are blessed to bless and because you are blessing, you will be blessed to bless. You see, it's this upward spiral of knowing God, experiencing his blessing, and sharing his blessing. And the more you share, the more God pours into you. That's what he says here. If you know these things and you choose to, choose to act in service to bless others, I will bless you for blessing. It's this wonderful, wonderful um, kind of experience of experiencing God's goodness, sharing God's goodness. It's experiencing more of God's goodness, sharing more of God's, and it becomes a lifestyle. It becomes a lifestyle. Let me tell you a story about a guy last night. Walks on here to me afterwards, and he goes, hey, I need to tell you a story. I said, what's up? He goes, I'm a first responder. I said, oh, good. Thank you for doing that. And he said, no, I need to tell you. Uh, New Year's Eve, I get a call, go to pick this guy up. He's just beat up, messed up, drunk as can be. And, and I got to pick him up. I got to take him to the hospital. So I pick him up. It's New Year's Eve. He's out of control. I started asking him what's going on with you. And he goes, oh, my wife left me. And I got drunk. And I got in a fight. And, whatever. and it was just a mess. And so this guy who uh, is wearing a uh, Jesus Changes Everything bracelet. You might recognize that. I've been around here. We have those around here a lot. Jesus Changes Everything bracelet. So I was talking to this guy. And he goes, you know, i kind of been in, in your spot. Can I, can I tell you what helped me? And the guy's kind of drunk, but he's kind of interested. Well, yeah, okay. And, and so he starts sharing with him about him. He goes, and I, I don't know if I can say this or not, but would you let me just give you a piece of advice? Okay, go to church. He tells this drunk guy, New Year's Eve, go to church. And he says, by the way, to remind you, I'm going to give you this bracelet. Puts a bracelet on the guy. He says, that's a reminder 
when you wake up tomorrow, it's not going to be pleasant, but I want you to have this reminder to go to church. And so he gives him, I said, oh, that's great. So he says, oh, no, no, I'm not done yet. I said, okay. Let's. He says, um, on Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl Sunday, he goes, I'm out getting some groceries, and I'm walking through a parking lot, and somebody runs up to me, and it's the guy. And he's still wearing the bracelet. And he says to me, hey, I got to tell you, this bracelet, it changed my life. It saved my life. Let me tell you, I went to church, and everything's different. This is my wife. We're back together, and I, and I want you to meet my daughter. And this guy is going, and he tells me, he goes, I got a pocket, of the, pocket full of those now. <laughs> I'm just taking them everywhere I go. Now, I, ju- I just want to ask you, what's the best thing that happened to the guy standing here? Not the guy that was talking, the guy that was here last night. What's the best thing that happened to him that day? He saw the other guy. And he got the joy of knowing he made a difference in that guy's life. What's the best thing that happened all month? Probably that. <laughs> You see, when we are blessed, God reconciles us to himself and we know Jesus and we are forgiven and we extend that message to someone else. It is again a blessing that we get to do that. It's almost as big as the first blessing of being forgiven ourselves. We are blessed to bless. Let me give you, let me give you another thing. When Jesus started his ministry, you remember the whole thing, the dove comes down, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Do you remember that part? I think it is interesting that God's presence became most apparent after Jesus started his ministry. Point being that as we step out of our comfort zone and we begin to serve, we will never feel closer to God than in that moment. When that guy came to my friend in the parking lot and said, I got to tell you, this changed my life. It wasn't that, it was Jesus, but it was symbolic. I want you to know that my friend who sat here last night When when he's telling me about it, his eyes are filling with tears. It was transcendent. It was supernatural. It was God had worked through him to save this other guy and his marriage and his family. There is no thrill bigger than that. Feeling God's presence, it seems to accompany doing God's work. When we serve, we sense his presence with us. It's a powerful thing. We are blessed when we serve. And we are called to serve, all of us. We are called to serve. Here's what Romans 8, 28 says. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We love the first part. We love the first part. And we know that in all things, God, all things, God works for the good of those who love him. We love that part. But we don't read the second half. It says that who have been called, that's all of us have been called, according to his purpose. We all want God to work everything out. Everything's going to be good because God's in charge and all that stuff. We like that part. But what about the understanding that you are called according to his purpose? What is God's purpose? God's purpose is always to reconcile all of humanity to himself. Everyone who will, anyone, whosoever will, can come and be reconciled. To participate in his purpose is to understand how, what part we're supposed to play in that process. And to ignore the calling and his purpose and just claim the first part of the verse is kind of weak. I'm not sure you get to do that. You see, if you believe that God is going to make sense of your life and use it for the best, you got to be involved in his purpose. And you got to understand what you're called to do in his purpose. So we have to understand that calling is a part of it. We talked a little bit about that last week. That God's purpose is always to reconcile people to himself. And so people are God's purpose, reconciling people. 
People are the only commodity that are at risk in the unseen spiritual warfare that happens around us. People are the only entity that go all the way to eternity. It should tell us that the vast majority of our expenditure of energy and attention is for people to benefit other people, to help people draw close to Christ for people. We are blessed when we serve. We are called to serve. And we were created to serve. We were made to serve. When God knit us together in our mother's womb, he put things in us. Let me read a passage, Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork. This word handiwork is not quite right. It's, it's, more, it's more artistic than that. It's somewhere between, between a functional piece of utilitarian something and, and artwork. Somewhere between a poem and a ladle. It's like, it's like it's really beautiful and it's really useful. That, it's a special word. It's a very important word. He says we are God's handiwork. To do what? What is the functional part of our handiwork? Created in Christ Jesus to do good works to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In other words, you were created. By the way, if you're a Christian, why didn't God just take you home the minute you became a Christian? You got the fire escape clause, you're out, you're good, it's all good. Why did he leave you here? Why are you still breathing? Why are you on this earth? Because he has good works for you to do. He has something for you to do. That's why you're still here. Kierkegaard once said, with God's help, I will truly become myself. You see, we think looking inside and finding our urges and desires and, and, and following our intuition is going to get us to become, I got to be me. What if you are the you that God intends you to be? Would that be better than the you that you come up with? I think so. And God intended you to be a person who does good works, who has an impact in their world. It doesn't say how big or how small. We have different talents, different abilities, different opportunities, but there is something. There, is, there are good works. Let me read a couple of passages. First Peter talks about the gifts that God has given us. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to, for, to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So here's what that passage says. It says that if you receive God's grace, so anybody who's become a Christian has received God's grace. Everybody's received God's grace just by being alive. But especially as a Christian, I've received God's grace. What is grace? Grace is unmerited favor. In other words, God has been better to me than I deserve. I know that every day. He's been better to me today than I deserve. God has been better than me. That is grace. I have received that grace. Now, what am I supposed to do? I am supposed to sit here and soak it in and enjoy it. Just no, 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 no. You have received God's grace in order to administer God's grace to someone else in its various forms. So what does that look like? I, by the way, anybody who just kind of takes in as a consumer God's grace, it, God can't fill you anymore if you don't empty out. If there's not a flow through, if you're not letting God's grace come through you to benefit someone else, God can't give you any more over here. So I'm here and God has been good to me. Why has God been good to me? Uh, that's what brought me back to Christianity, to faith when I was a teenager, the end of my teenage years. I was out using all my gifts in really destructive ways. I was using them. I was convincing people to do stuff, bad stuff, stupid stuff. And I realized this is not why I was given these gifts. I was, I was given these gifts to benefit others, to take what I don't deserve, but God has given me, and to give it to someone else who doesn't deserve so they know that God loves them. See, I love that because when I, when I introduce a, a recovering alcoholic, somebody who's been sober for X amount of time, and, and, and I say, I want you to meet my friend Joe over here. Joe is struggling. 
and, and he takes the grace that God has given him to become sober and to become a different person, a better husband, a better father. And he takes it over here and he says, Joe, let me tell you about what happened. I'm going to take God's grace that he's given me and I'm going to extend it to you. That's, what's, that's what I want to do. I love seeing that happen because it, it says that we're to extend God's grace, God's unmerited favor, to take it and give it to someone else. And, and therefore, administering it, the word is administer there, administering it in its various forms. Now, do you think me telling Joe how to get sober is half as effective as my recovering alcoholic friend who's been sober for 20 years telling Joe how to get sober? You see, the form of grace that he needs is different than probably what I'm going to give him because I haven't been there. I haven't walked through that. I'm going to love him. I'm going to care. I'll call and check on him. But reality is this guy has been through it. And this guy is going to administer God's grace in a different form, in a slightly different form, if you will. Is it possible that there's somebody in your sphere of influence, if you're a Christian, is it possible that there is a form of grace, a way of communicating God's grace, an aspect of God's grace that they're not receiving because you are not serving? Is that possible? I think it is. When we come to understand how much God has done for us, if we truly understand it and we truly value what God has done for us, we stop being consumers and we start being contributors. Not because we make ourselves, but because that's the thing you do. What does a recovering alcoholic want to do? He wants to tell other recovering alcoholics how to, how to recover, how to get better, how to stay on track, how to keep coming back, right? Let me give you an illustration. This is, a, this is kind of a, a story we've seen around here. A woman, got young kids at home. Husband's being a jerk. He's off running around. Family's about to break apart. She's depressed. She's exhausted. She's all but hopeless. His kids are too much. The world is too much. He's trying to work a full-time job. Love these kids. One of her friends says, you know, I don't, I don't know, but there's that church over there. Maybe you should try that. She gets up the courage to try. She drives toward the church. Can't even find the entrance because it's hard to find. Once she does, she drives in. And before she's even gotten hardly on campus, there's somebody waving at her and pointing her to, to a parking space. And another person helps her park there. And then she parks and starts getting the kids out. And before you know it, there's a train, crazy little train pulls up behind her car, asking her if she'd like to have her kids take a train ride and she could come too. And then go to the children's building and her kids are like, I don't know what this place is, but this is fun. Let's go mommy. And they jump in and, and they get in the train and, and they go to the children's building and the, and the, and the conductor says, yeah, this is it. We're here. You just go right to that door right there. And those folks right there will show you what to do. And so she goes, okay. And she grabs her kids out of the train and takes them up to the front door and somebody's front door. Come on in. Come on. First time. Okay, great. Come on. We'll get your kids registered. We want to tell you about our safety around here. And it's, the building will be locked down your kids will be safe. And uh, here's the thing. Nobody can pick them up except you. So here's the tag. Hang on to this. And then I'll take you up to the classroom, show you where each of the kids are. And, and you can see their classroom, meet their teacher. You want to okay, okay, that happen? And so when they're done talking to the teacher, she in some way brings them and says, now you go over to the, the big building. It's kind of around the corner, kind of hard to find, but you'll find it around the corner. And she's kind of walking that way. A little confused. Everybody seems to be move, moving that way. And she's kind of, okay, I'll go with them. And somebody along the way, there's a table and they're giving out coffee. And she's, we like some coffee. And she's like, coffee, I need some coffee for sure. So she gets some coffee and they say, okay, go around the corner. You, you know, just that's where the adults meet. So she comes around 
and before she even gets in the building, she knows there's a snack shack. That's weird. And then she, and then she sees that, that front door is this nice person smiling, warm and friendly. Come on in, come on in, just just sway over here. And comes in and goes through the tunnel here. And says, okay, this is kind of weird. And somebody in the tunnel is going, hey, we're glad you're here. Come on in. And, and she gets in. Oh, this is a big place. I don't know where I'm supposed to sit. And somebody says, hey, by the way, you looking for a seat? I've got one right here. This will be okay for you. Okay, good, great. Make yourself at home and sits down. And for the first time, she sits down and she goes, <sighs> and suddenly she realizes for the next however long this church thing lasts, she has no responsibilities. For the first time in weeks, she's not having to rush somewhere, get something done, answer somebody's question. She's just got a moment to breathe. I need to point out that everything that's happened so far in this scenario has been done by a volunteer. Every single thing. Is it possible that in the next few months, this poor woman is not only going to be able to catch a breath, but find out that there is a God who loves her? Whether she believes it or not, it's nice to hear. There's a God who loves her, and that maybe life is going to be okay. And maybe there are some good people in the world, and some of them might even help. There's that mom's thing they got, and, and maybe a little hope finds its way into her heart. All done by volunteers. I told this story last service, and one met me right there. She said, can I hug you? I said, well, if you have to. I'm not really a hugger, you know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm <laughs> and she hugs me, and I can see there's tears in her eyes. And says, I need to thank you. I said, well, well what for? She goes, you know that, that woman in that story you told today? I said, uh, in, in 2019, that was me. I made my win. Somebody took my kids. I sat down in the back row, and my life was changed. I said, really? Because I know who this woman is. I've I, I met her husband, her kids. So not long after that, my, my husband started attending with us. And now we pray together. And we come every week. And our boys come with us. And you've changed my life. <clears throat> and here's what I know. She thanked me, but it wasn't me. I didn't drive the cart. I didn't help her find a parking spot. It was all volunteers. I had one little segment, one little half-hour segment to talk. That's all I did. Everything else was done by people who serve, who love God and want to make a difference. That's the point. When she told me that, I thought, well, I'm so glad to be a part of it. I'm so glad God let, me, God let me be a part. But here's what I know. My part was really small. Really small. Everything else was done by people who just give their time and energy because they want to be like Jesus. They want to make a difference in the world. See, that's why it's so important. This isn't about us filling out our org chart. This is about us changing people's lives. She hugged me two more times. I think she was sincere. <laughs> she had tears in her eyes. I had tears in my eyes. We serve because it's what we need to do. We're supposed to do. Well, let me just finish up here. Don't kid yourself. I'm not even close to finishing up. Let me just give you a couple more thoughts. We were created to serve. We were God's, we were God's uh, workmanship. And then we need to serve. Now, this is a little less warm and fuzzy than the last point. The truth is you need to serve. Um, pride cannot coexist with love. Pride and love are antithetical to each other. If you are full of pride, it means you are full of self-love. Self-love negates the possibility of you having other-focused love. 
And to the degree you have self-love, prideful love, to that same degree, you cannot love each other. And it is true for all of us. And all of us want to love ourselves. And we think loving ourselves is the answer. But Jesus said, loving him and loving your neighbor of yourself is the answer. And the only way we beat that through our thick skulls is to serve. It's the only, I was at a meeting uh, a number of years ago. And it was a parachurch ministry. And it, this guy said, um, some of you, and it was a businessman. And a lot of them were pretty, pretty successful. He says, you have outgrown the local church. And I couldn't decide if we should burn him at the stake or have an inquisition. I couldn't decide. That was outright heresy. Who did Jesus leave behind to change the world, to carry his message forward? Us, the church, us, all believers, not this church, the church is left behind. And a part of what happens when we realize that he is so great and so loving, and yet he has left the mission with us, the responsibility on us is to serve through the church the local church. That's who Jesus left. Let me tell you why you need to serve. Because pride and love can't coexist. And serving is about, is about putting aside your pride and serving. It is about humbling yourself enough to care for someone else. Let's say you're a big shot. Well, you're probably going to make me go in the parking lot. Oh yeah, I'm definitely making you go in the parking lot on the rainy days. Because you need to serve. You think there's a job on this campus I wouldn't do today if need be? You need to come and you need to humble yourself and you need to say, I am a servant of God. I am no better. Here's what we're taught in scripture. Everybody in this room, we are equal before the cross. I don't care if you're a CEO or if you're the guy that sweeps up after service. We are equal before the cross and we must serve together. One of my favorite stories is two guys. One of his name was Bud. He was the CEO of a corporation, big brawny dude, good guy, and very good, Gary's good guy. And, and Bud and Bob. And Bob was this little skinny guy, little tiny guy, little squirrely guy, Coke bottle glasses, this kind of goofy. And Bob was the head usher. And Bud was his assistant. And every week the CEO would show up and say to the mechanic, Bob, what do you need me to do today? And wherever Bob said, I'm telling you, Bob was great. If the room temperature wasn't right, Bob was on it. He had a fiction. He had to worry about it. If the ushers needed to do something, Bob was on it. He'd make it happen. But right there was Bud every week. Okay, Bob, what do you need me to do? And they were friends. But I love the CEO humbling himself and saying, Bob, what do you need me to do? You see, we need to remember that our life is about more than the money we make, our position in society. In this room, we're all even before the cross. Now, hopefully, as you serve, you'll become more and more aware of your unique gifts. and You'll get to use them more and more specifically. But as a starting place, just roll up your sleeves and find a way to help. That's in incredibly critical. You need to serve because we need to defeat pride. We need to learn appropriate smallness. Appropriate smallness. Not to think greater of ourselves, but to understand that we are called to be servants. That's a part of what scripture teaches us. So we need to serve in order to grow personally. Um, you need to be in community and serving together is one way to be in community, to develop what is called self-forgetfulness, not so worried about how I'm looking in this moment, or how, I'm, how people think of me, just let go of it and be about Jesus. And then lastly, we are to be equipped to serve. We are to be equipped to, be, to serve. So I had a funny thing happen this morning, first service. Guy came up to me and hugged me right before first service. This hugging thing, it's a hugging day, evidently. I don't know what's going on. But, uh, but <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, 
Guy comes and hugs me, and it was great to see him because I haven't seen him in many years. His name is Baron, and he was here for the first time he was visiting. I probably haven't seen him in 25 years, I bet. Uh, maybe not that long, but close. And, and here's Baron's story. Uh, Baron came to our church in 91, I think it was, and there was only a few of us there. And Baron comes in. He didn't come to a weekend service. He came to a what's called a basic class, kind of like a rooted class. He comes in the first night. He's got no shirt, just a pair of shorts on. That said, I thought he was homeless. He had hair down to here, and I thought he was came for food. But he stuck around and took the class, started talking. I realized he wasn't there for the food. And so I began to talk to him. He goes, no, I'm a carpenter. I'm trying to find Jesus. And uh, I just, if you could help me. And I'm thinking, I can help you. Show up tomorrow. We'll, we'll work together. Before he even came to a church service, I had him building and working on the site, volunteering. Because I think, I think uh, giving back is, is really important, even if you're not a Christian. And so I had him giving back and eventually found Jesus and became this wonderful believer. And, and it wasn't very many months later, we asked him to be a head usher because being a head usher in a church of 30 is a big deal. And, uh, and so he became our head usher. And when he's back there head, being usher in a little tiny building, it's not very big. And he's putting people places to sit and stuff. And then one day I noticed that the head usher isn't there. And I look over here and I see the head usher has found a seat next to a beautiful woman. Hmm. They've been married a little over 30 years now. And, uh, and he met her at the front door, found her a seat, to, and then sat down next to her. <laughs> Sometimes serving pays off. <laughs> he was just the last service. He'll confirm me. He was here last service. He'll confirm it's true. Here's, here's what you need to know. God intended you to serve. I can twist your arm. I can tell you stories. I can do all that stuff. But until you take serious the opportunity to be more like Jesus through serving, it is a spiritual discipline. Yes, it helps the church. We have dreams of ministries we could start, things we could do, kids we could care for that we need people for. Absolutely. But here's what I'm here to tell you. You need to serve. It needs to go on your calendar. It needs to be a priority because it is a spiritual discipline. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take this, this card out of the seat in front of you. Not just some of you, all of you. Take this out. And it's just a card. It's not going to hurt you. It won't bite. It won't sting you. It's just a card. And on it is a QR code. On this QR code, you could just take a picture of that QR code and just fill it out and just say, I'm interested in talking to somebody about the possibility of maybe someday talking about serving. <laughs> oh, you, we, you can do this in less than, less than 15 seconds. We, we test it. You can do it in 15 seconds. For those of you, by the way, who think you're getting off the hook that don't do QR codes, if you just raise your hand, we have a card that you can fill out physically. <laughs> We're not letting you off the hook. Don't kid yourself. And the ushers are coming down. Just raise your hand, get one of these. You can put in the offering bucket on your way out or take it to the table out in the lobby. If just for a moment, you'd, you'd trust me as someone who has been given the privilege of giving you direction in your spiritual life. If you just trust me for a moment, this is not a sales pitch to get our, our uh, volunteer positions filled. This is me telling you the funnest part of Christianity is serving. The funnest part of Christianity is serving. I know you don't believe it. Test me. Find out if I'm telling you the truth. Please get involved. Find a way to serve. And I believe it will change your life. I'm going to take a minute. I'm just going to stand here quietly while you fill that out. And I'm going to stare at you. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord God, today I've made a lot of jokes, but there is not a day that goes by that I am not overwhelmed by the incredible privilege that you allow me to serve you. Whether it's here in this place, in this room doing this thing, or it's in some other place doing something that nobody knows nothing about and never will. The fact that I am important enough to you, valuable enough to you, 
that you would use me to somehow make a difference in someone's life is overwhelming to me. It is incredible. And Lord God, I never want to miss a day or a task or an appointment or an adventure that you have ordained for me. I never want someone to go wanting because I was the one who was supposed to meet their need. Lord God, I am just so grateful that you have invited me. You have indeed called me, us, to be a part of what you're doing in the world. Help us to take that serious. Help us to be dutiful and yet grateful in doing so. And in that, Lord God, help us enjoy every day. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. And remember, we also have live services out in our West Auditorium on Saturday evenings and Sunday morning. Or you can always join us live online at seacoastgrace.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages to hear these messages in real time.